0: Hello, fellow do and friends. I'm your host, Karina Blizzi. Today, I'm bringing you through a portal, call it my way-back machine, to talk about the future and how AI will change absolutely everything. Heck, many of us think it already has. The interview that I'll share after an update that I'm providing right now was conducted back in September 2021, when I had the chance to interview someone who is scary smart about absolutely everything artificial intelligence. You see, Mo Gaudet was the chief business officer of Google X, responsible for vetting all sorts of new technologies, including many that had AI at their core. What he shared in this 2021 interview will give you chills. But before we dive into that episode, or at least part of it since I'm editing it down a bit, I want to talk to you about the AI impacts that we're seeing today. You see, in the last year, there has been a massive disruption in the field of journalism and entertainment. We've gone beyond typical layoffs when industries recalibrate to something more catastrophic. Almost all media contributors are now freelancers. Almost all of these freelancers are working to hustle hard using things like affiliate links and thinly veiled product pitches within their editorial to make a little extra cash. Why? Because if they didn't, they'd be broke. This means that there's no real editorial anymore, or very little of it anyway. We are essentially being sold something or some service almost constantly. Everyone has their handout and we are the ones who pay not the media empires any longer. You see, something more has happened too. Our creator economy has gone into overdrive. This is partly because of everything we experienced with COVID and people wanting to have a little more control over their daily lives. And at the same time that that's happening, AI is taking over many of the functionalities that had been filled by creatives and entertainment. I'm talking about everything from podcasting, To script writing and acting. It's no wonder that the Screen Actors Guild has joined the Writers Guild in an all-out strike as a direct result of this changing world. You see, Big Hollywood had been attempting to assume the rights of a single actor's personage after paying them only once to act in a commercial or film. This could later be adapted using AI for other purposes. I'm sure that many of you watch Netflix And many of you have probably also seen Black Mirror. And I'm telling you, the stories in Black Mirror are starting to seem like they could erupt into reality any day now. This last weekend, I went to the movies to watch Harrison Ford and guess what, Indiana Jones. Throughout the movie, it's obvious that his personage was AI manipulated. And while his voice seemed like the voice of today, his vision, the way he looked, seemed like the actor that was playing in the first of the Indiana Jones films. And if we can imagine that just taking one more step further, we could imagine a world in which they're making Indiana Jones films with the personage of Indiana Jones as Harrison Ford years after he's expired, years after he's dead. This is the possibility of the world that we're living in today. We are living in a world where it feels like we've moved from the planned obsolescence of the latest iPhone to the planned obsolescence of creators and creatives, of actors, of directors, filmmakers. If you are on TikTok, you may have even seen a recent filter that mimics creators and that creators are allowing to impersonate them for literally hours at a time. They may earn one-tenth of a cent for each heart or like or something like that, because TikTok actually pays their top creators. But it's happening because one, the AI filter has made it easy. Two, it's a little creepy. And so it kind of grabs people's attention. And three, I just have to say this, but I find it scary as hell. So our lives are already being impacted by AI in ways that I don't think really any of us thought was possible, especially when I interviewed Mo Gaudet just two years ago. But today, ChatGPT4 is making real waves in the professional world. Executives are using it to write their email messages. AI tools for art and photography have have made our jobs easier, frankly, and they've also shown us that our creativity can be mimicked and even improved upon. Now, will AI figure out comedy next? Will it be able to create the banter of a top podcast? Will it replace me? I don't know. I don't think so. I'd like to think not. But yet you can listen to an incredible interview on chat GPT-4 that was conducted by NPR, where they dove into its true functionality and capabilities and the sorts of things that even researchers are scared by at this point. So I think it's important that we think about this a little more. Some of my episodes age really well. And this one is no exception. So while I've grown as an interviewer since then, hearing from Mo Gaudet, the ex-chief business officer of Google X, and the New York Times bestselling author of Scary Smart, The Future of Artificial Intelligence and How You Can Save Our World. Wow, it's something. So while I'm editing it a bit, to keep it a little tighter, to remove some of the fluff... I think you'll absolutely enjoy the interview, and if you haven't already picked up that book and read it, I think you should. Thank you.
1: Imagine you and me sitting in front of the campfire in 2055 uh, while I tell you the story of uh, what happened with AI since 2021. Okay, And the only thing I will not tell you is why we are in the middle of nowhere sitting in front of a campfire. Is it because we're escaping from the machines or is it because we've managed to build a utopia that allows us to enjoy life?
0: Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes.
1: Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference. Vote with your dollars and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belize.
0: Today, we're going to talk about the future of technology and artificial intelligence. Supporters of this created intelligence believe it can help solve real problems from global warming to our social systems, which is exactly why it's relevant for us to talk about today. But what risks does it pose? what more do we really need to know? To help us tease through all of this today, I'm joined by Mo Gaudet. Mo Gaudet is the former chief business officer at Google X. He's the international best-selling author of Solve for Happy and the host of a hit podcast called Slow Mo, a podcast with Mo Gaudet. He is the author of a new book called Scary Smart, the future of artificial intelligence and how you can save our world. So Mo, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's uh, good to be here. It's um, you know, it's it's. I'm very grateful that sh- to talk about this with your audience because I actually think it's much more than AI that we need to talk about. It's about humanity, really, in the age of AI.
0: Humanity in the age of AI. I think that's the next book title for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it really, yeah, uh, it really. I think, I think humanity has uh, over the years of advancement of technology forgot what it really is like to be human. Mm-hmm. And I think at I think at this juncture in history where we are creating intelligence that is probably superior to ours, but informed by ours, I think we need to uh, become a lot more aware of what it is that we use our intelligence for so that hopefully our future is informed by a little better than what we've been doing recently on social media and on the media in general.
0: Right. So before we dig into this new book, I'd like for you to share a bit of your story as it relates to Solve for Happy, which you're already quite well known for. I understand you've built a not for profit around that book with the goal of creating a billion happy people around the globe. I love audacious goals. That's an audacious (laughs) goal. So tell us about what inspired that idea and perhaps how that may have led to this book.
1: Uh, it, it did, for sure. I mean, my, my my story is very unusual because I am a bit of two extremes on almost every dimension of my life. I am born in the East and, you know, raised in with Western mentalities and concepts. I'm, uh, you know, a highly uh, organized engineer and mathematician, but very, very spiritual. And uh, in my life, I've seen almost all extremes. You know, I've, uh, I've been um, a chief business officer of Google X and then I'm now a happiness, um, you know, evangelist or teacher, whichever way you wanna call it. And, and at the same time, I'm, I've also seen the worst and the best. So I've seen amazing, amazing blessings in my life, but also some very, very big challenges. And because of the way my life has turned and turned out through the years, I ended up achieving what most people want to achieve very early in life. So in my late 20s, I had everything that most people work a lifetime for, you know, the car, the the villa, the swimming pool, the, you know, beautiful, amazing woman in my life that gave me two wonderful children. And through it all, I was clinically depressed and in a very unusual way. Uh, in a very usual way, I would say, is the story of most of us. You know, we chase things that don't lead to our happiness and we get them. And so we wonder why we're unhappy. Mm. Um, I I then took a very... Um, Engineered approach to the topic, honestly, because I couldn't get the spiritual or practice approach to it. You know, when someone told me to meditate, my engineer's mind was like, "Why?" Mm. Explain to me. Yeah, explain it to me first, right? And and that sort of resistance, that hyper left-brained masculinity, if you want, uh, led me in a corner where I started to search, at least according to my strength. Uh, so, researched happiness as an engineer, which sounds like a stupid idea but it actually worked i realized that happiness is highly predictable it Mm. follows a mathematical equation and that mathematical equation can lead you to a very repeatable and scalable model that works across all of us as humans and uh, and that worked for me it took me 12 years of research and work and practice and it took me the help of my wonderful son, who seemed to be born like a tiny little Zen monk, who really understood happiness and peacefulness and contentment instinctively. But then, of course, as you can imagine, when life wants you to uh, to go in a certain direction, it nudges you. So, mm-hmm. so I kept I kept what I learned for myself and my family and my friends, and you know it worked. But then, uh, July 2014, Ali, who's as you can already guess, not only my son, but also sort of my mentor and my teacher and my best friend uh, went for a very simple surgical operation and it went wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. It went went wrong on so many levels. It's, you know, you have to sort of think it's fate. Uh, Five mistakes in a row, uh, all preventable, all fixable. And uh, the combination of all of them, one after the other, basically led to Ali leaving our world in four hours. And wow. so, uh, I call that a very serious nudge. If you want, it's life basically saying, enough of your career, enough of your investments, and you know, fancy cars, and enough of your um, stupidity. If you may. <laughs> don't mind me saying, mm-hmm. there are things there are things that matter most. More, and and uh, basically, Ali before before he left our world, two weeks before he left our world, he had a dream that he only told his sister about. And she told me about it four years after he left, which he basically, in her words, he said, he called her uh, and he said, I dreamt I was everywhere and part of everyone. And uh, yeah, and he said, it felt so amazing. I did not want to be back in my body. And as you can imagine, uh, you know, a businessman like me, who's worked at Google for years, I was responsible for emerging markets at Google. So, you know, the 4 billion new users strategy, if you want. Uh, I ended up, um, I I listened to this and I said, consider it done. I I sort of took it almost as a quota, as a target from my teacher. That Ali was saying, I want to be everywhere and part of everyone. And so, in my mind, I said, Fine, I'll I'll share your essence, I'll share what you taught me Hmm. uh, through that book, Solve for Happy. uh, With, you know, my dream at the time was 10 million people. And, you know, my mathematics were if 10 million people learned about the essence of Ali and through six degrees of separation, a 100 years later, um, he's going to be everywhere and part of everyone. And so, I wrote what he taught me and Soul for Happy, uh, I think, was aided by the universe itself. So it became an international bestseller almost everywhere. We published in 31 countries. Uh, It, uh, you know, six weeks after the the publication date, uh, we had already reached uh, 87 million people with uh, video content on the internet that basically meant that 10 million happy was not an audacious enough goal if you want. Mm. And so the, the team, we're a very small team and and together we decided to make it a bit bigger and we went, we went for a billion happy, which we sort of know is probably above our capability, but it's a good target to aim for.
0: Well, um, you know, as a parent, I mm-hmm. think there's a commonality that many of us express and feel, which is our children teach us a lot even when they're very, very young, and help us figure out, you know, what's really important in life just by seeing the world a little bit through their eyes. And it's Mm -hmm. like that innocence that we were once so uniquely tied to when we were young comes back to us a bit. Mm -hmm. And so I, I completely understand the story and the gravity of your loss, but also just the appreciation that you're putting into the world for him, the love that you're putting into the world for him just through telling the story is incredible.
1: Yeah, I was talking to a friend today actually about this who uh, also lost his mother. And he was basically asking me, don't you think it? F- didn't you feel guilty that you just could move on and talk about happiness instead of grieving your son? And I said, well, I still grieve my son every day. Uh, mm-hmm. you know I it it never it never really heals. The, that kind of wound never really heals but but the idea is, you know i I could honor him by grieving and hitting my head against the wall for twenty seven years, or I could honor him by sharing him with the world.
0: Absolutely. And I think
1: and I think it's um, you know if for, for anyone who's lost a loved one and we all will lose a loved one at a point in our life, you know, that's a very unusual, but maybe much smarter way, if you want, of thinking about it, that, you know, instead of grieving them, instead of honoring them by saying, I love you and I miss you only, you will always love them and miss them, but maybe maybe do something for them. I mean, mm-hmm. just, just um, you know, one of the things I do, for example, is I try to relive what he lived. You know, mm-hmm. I try to play the same video games he played. I try <laughs> to, oh, and, and I'm really good at it actually now because I do it, yeah. And I, and I you know, I try to, uh, to call his friends and, you know, say hi. I try to, you know, just do what, what he would have wanted to do. And that's a way of honoring him. It doesn't have to be. By crying, if you want, yeah, and, and I and I cry too, so I think it's all covered.
0: Well, I've listened to a few mm-hmm. of your podcasts now, and I hear you talk about him. It's it's a reverent experience, it seems almost each time, and it's not something that I think is very common for someone to call their child or someone much younger than them a mentor. And so, I I just really want to know from you you know what this word means to you and i mean even just how how old was he when he passed for for you to call him 20. a mentor is just it's such a
1: he was 21 and a half when he passed but wow. i actually i remember vividly when he was 16 uh, that i uh, basically declared to my best friend that i when i grow older i want to be like ali mm. uh, you see it's not age that makes us uh, that makes us wise i i have to say Age makes you, wise. let's put it this way. Age, age makes you foolish if you learn the wrong things, right? <laughs> so the longer you live, the more foolish you become. And you can see many examples about you, around you of people who, you know, become older and become richer and become more famous and become more successful and more stupid in the process. Right. Right? Because, because we focus on what's wrong. And, and life, interestingly, I don't know if you will agree with this, but I think we are born with the instinct we need to be the best we can be. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we unlearn on the pro, in, on the way we, we, you know, someone tells us that fancy cars are important. And then, you know, you start to fall in love with fancy cars and you, you, you spend years of your life crazy about cars and watching car shows and restoring old cars and doing crazy stuff. When in reality, car, honestly, I mean, I fancy cars don't matter honest i mean mm-hmm. i love i love cars still and i still marvel at the engineering of them right but is it is that a, is that a good use of my life i get a life you know of four four billion heartbeats okay mm-hmm. how many heartbeats did i did i uh, did i waste waxing a car can you can you imagine that mm? and when you start to think about it you start to say so what does actually what actually matters mm? right. what wh- how should we unlearn all that we've been told you know we've been told that success is more important than happiness how can we unlearn that we've been told that gender is a very uh, uh you know uh or sexual preferences are a very solid uh frame how, how do we unlearn that how do we explore what is the difference between the feminine and the masculine one for years and years and years we've defined them as man and woman how do we you know how do we unlearn uh what we've learned about um, you know setting a life purpose and a target in the future that you live a lifetime for so much ev- almost everything that we were taught is wrong and 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 the only truth is what is instinctive to you is your only truth okay so even even if a, a thousand people around you agree that you know dating a, a tall blonde is the right you know is the is the jackpot winner, if you're not into a tall blonde, what, what are you going to be doing? Are you going to do what they told you, or are you going to actually figure out to yourself hmm, what it what you are, what is your truth? And I think that's where 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 age and and wisdom are not related. Right. Ali Habibi, Ali was well, I, I I promise you he he would teach me things when he was six years old. It was very unusual and he was the kind of person that spoke very little. So Ali was either joking and hilariously joking, (laughs) like he was so funny, okay, and playful and fun and goofy, or he would summarize wisdom in what I always uh, called less than eight words. So he would listen to you and all of your challenges and and then he would ask a few questions to entertain me just to make me feel like you know what I'm saying is important, and then he would say eight words or less, and mm-hmm. I promise you every time it would change my life. Wow, because he had that he knew instinctively what was not spoiled for him but spoiled for me, if you want
0: so before we dive into AI, your podcast. <laughs> is called slow-mo for a reason. One of the things that I am getting just from listening to a couple of episodes, some of which you recorded with great friends and others are thought leaders, and the message I'm getting is that to be happy, we all need to slow down. Like, that's something... (laughs) Oh,
1: yes. Does that sound like news to you?
0: (laughs) I know it's it's the truth, but, you know, I'm I'm like many people that are A-types, right? Like you, producer, do, 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 and being defined by the doing in a way. And like that ladder climbing that you experienced when you were, you know, at Google X and, you know, driving the fancy car and getting to X, Y, and Z. I mean, it's like the, the carrot is consistently dangling somewhere way ahead of me, and I'm always driving for it. And hmm. so it's just getting to someone to slow down who has that innately within them is it's a tough challenge. When people mm. told me in the past, oh, you need to meditate to be happy. um, You know, I was kind of of your mind, how? Like, why? And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. how do I even slow down enough to just mm. enjoy the moment that way? For me, the only way I could slow down enough to really enjoy that moment was by physically doing something. I'm washing my horse. Mm. I'm going for a horseback ride. I'm going for a run. I'm washing the dishes. I'm waxing that car.
1: <laughs> hmm. Interesting. And okay, so can I, can I, I ask just, you three questions? Yes, please. Yeah. Have you ever tasted the carrot?
0: <laughs> I don't think so, because in my mind, it's yeah. always somewhere else.
1: Exactly. Yeah, so, so I think that's really, that's the beginning of the conversation. The, the beginning of the conversation is, we're all smart enough hmm, to realize if we pay attention hmm, that we're running for nothing at all hmm. because every time you've reached the carrot, even if you just licked it slightly, okay it moves to another place and we keep running.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm? And, and how intelligent is it if you don't mind I'm, I'm not I, you're very intelligent but but you know how how aware, how conscious is it that we still run for it again? when it moves okay i want you to i want you to visualize this in a cartoonish way Hmm? (laughs) yeah you're you're running for it and then you're about to catch it and then it moves okay so it really is it really is and you just have to see it that way now number two hmm? question two uh, do you even like carrot Okay, most of what we chase, we don't even need. I mean, I had everything, everything, okay? Fancy cars, money suits, beautiful wife, amazing woman. Hmm? I had everything and I was miserable, mm-hmm. right? Now I wear $4 t-shirts. Yeah, please don't judge me. Yeah, theres $4 t-shirts. I, I love them. They're comfortable. They're easy to wash. They're easy for me to travel the world with. I don't have to put any attention in what I wear. You know, when I go on a date, I simply tell her, look, there are nice things about me, but not my style. Okay. <laughs> and, and that's, and most of them actually look back at me and say, well, a consistent jeans and t-shirt is actually a style. We, we like that you could make that decision. Right, mm-hmm. and and when you when you think of it this way, hmm, you start to realize that you're chasing a carrot that you will never reach, and that you don't actually like.
0: You, you don't may not even need. want it. You don't. Realize you don't, you don't you may, want it. Yeah, yeah. So
1: so maybe maybe I will ask you to, uh, um, and, and of course the third question, if you don't mind me saying, and how much of what you're doing is actually getting you to the carrot, right? So, so I don't want to answer a spiritual answer. I can answer you a spiritual answer in a minute. But the truth is from a practical A type person point of view, you're very inefficient. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the the reality here is that, you know, most of what we do on daily basis, if you don't mind me using the example of news media, for example. Okay, there are news media junkies—people who will watch watch every news uh, coverage, uh, read every tweet, uh, you know, uh, uh, get angry about every cause, Mm -hmm. right? And I ask them, and I openly say, uh, "How many hours does that take of your day? A couple of hours, maybe more. How effective is that? Have you ever managed to change any of those?" Okay, so you're, you know, and 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 if you're really efficient, shouldn't you ask yourself? what is my cause,
0: mm-hmm.
1: hmm? because I'm about happiness, right? Happiness is a very interesting definition, but I am about happiness. Hmm? When people send me things and say, Mo, uh, you're a good person, we want your help to support us, send, you know, spread this message about reform of education, mm-hmm. okay? I simply say, not my game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe, I believe that education needs to be reformed. I believe that uh, climate change needs to be reversed, but it's not my place. There are others who dedicate their life for this. They're much better than I am. And I am better off dedicating my life to what I can affect. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the question becomes multifaceted in so many ways. We're chasing a carrot we don't want, we will never reach, and we're not even doing that efficiently. So slowing down is about dropping all of that crap. Mm. It's really not that complicated. huh? It is about what do I really stand for? What am I really good at? What do I really want? Okay. What would really make a difference to my life? And can I do that properly? Suddenly, if you do that, nine hours of your day will free up. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. you can slow down. So interestingly, I believe that the best way to succeed is to be lazy and do less, <laughs> okay? But but do what you do very, 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 very well, okay? And then leave everything else. And if you just do that, you'll be able to slow down.
0: Well, I love that. Now, I yeah. think I'm sufficiently ready now to talk about AI. I must say that this topic <sighs> It might be a little bit intimidating to me.
1: It really is. Um, I apologize for that, but it should be.
0: <laughs> well, especially since I don't work in technology. I've grown up in Silicon Valley. I've lived from Cupertino to Santa Cruz since I was 13 years old. And really, you know what? I'm I'm in a bedroom community of the Silicon Valley. My husband works mm. for Joby Aviation, building the next, you know, transportation method for humanity. Mm. And so technology is something that's connected to my everyday life. He manages all of our, you know, computer stuff in the house. But we operate a (laughs) server in my home that is big enough to um, run a small company, to be frank, because he's (laughs) very much into that whole network engineering thing, right? Uh, So I, I just... You know, when I get to think about AI, I think like a lot of consumers, I automatically go to broad AI and the sorts of applications that may come down the road. You might have watched something like a Black Mirror episode on Netflix or um, Westworld on HBO you might be stuck in the world of Terminator and that franchise of movies thinking about poor applications of AI down the road that we may be able to predict now or not at all. Hmm. So um, if you've read any Isaac Asimov novels, you've probably imagined a future that may not be that far off for us anymore. Mm -hmm. So first... Let's start with where we are today. <laughs> how far we, have we come with AI and how far are we from that future sci-fi novelists depict?
1: We are there. <laughs> I think is, is yeah. the answer. Uh and, and and I think so so Sky Smart is not written for your husband. It's written for you. <laughs> your husband no your husband knows what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. even though uh, his bias to look at it from a technological point of view might not see the humanitarian. I don't know your husband specifically, but techies in general, geeks in general, like myself, will see this from a tech point of view, not from a human- humanitarian point of view. Mm-hmm. And I think the truth is predictions are... So So let's, let's just set a few ground rules. Huh? Uh, my chapter three of Scary Smart uh, is uh, called The Three Inevitables. Okay. And the th- inevitable means inevitable. They are going to happen. Whatever we do, it's too late to change them. So let's accept them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And inevitable number one is already is, is AI will happen. Okay. That kind of intelligence uh, that is uh, basically uh, m- powered by a machine that, you know, uh, um, uh, supersedes human intelligence in, its, in the task that it uh, performs is, has already happened. Right. As a matter of fact, you've interacted with it hundreds of times today, including the background that you have behind you, which is, uh, you know, uh, provided by AI that recognizes where you are uh, in the frame mm-hmm. and then blurs everything else and at the background that is an AI. Mm-hmm. AI has already, uh, uh, you know, in, been in integrated in our life in every possible way. The, you know, the, the, the world champion of chess is, AI, is an AI, the world champion of Go is an AI, the world champion of Jeopardy is an AI, the world champion of, uh, uh, of um, Atari and many video games is AI, and, and so on. And, and, and the truth is the best driver on the planet is a self-driving car, not a human. The best surveillance officer in the plan- on the planet is a machine and and you can go on and on and on so all of that is known as special ai which basically uh, uh focuses on one narrow task or narrow ai if you want to call it and it already happened inevitable one is done okay mm-hmm. we found the breakthrough to how make how to uh, in, ter- in terms of how to make machines intelligent which is deep learning and everyone everywhere on the planet is building them okay inevitable number 2 is even a little more scary uh, ai Um, is expected to be smarter than humans. This is Ray Kurzweil's uh, uh, prediction, and Ray has been accurate on almost every one of his predictions that he's ever given us in the last 20, 25 years. Um, uh, AI will be smarter than humans in 2029. Hmm. Uh, No, you didn't hear that wrong. It's eight years from today. The smartest being on planet Earth in eight years from today is going to be a machine.
0: I'm surprised it's not sooner, to be frank.
1: Uh, there you go, right? And uh, that's not unlikely, by the way, in, in terms of AI. Everything we've done in AI so far has surprised us. So there is something that's called the Niven uh, law, which is you know sort of the, 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 the view of the Moore's law of the, or the technology acceleration curve when it comes to uh, AI, which basically says that AI and quantum computing and all of those new technologies are doubly exponential. So they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're much faster than Moore's slow and technology acceleration so far. So nothing happens for a few months or quarters, and then boom, something amazing happened. Like when AlphaGo winning the GO Championship uh, uh, globally, uh, is uh, is something that is years ahead of when we expected to be able to make that happen. So so inevitable too is they will be smarter than us. As a matter of fact, Ray Kurzweil's uh, um, prediction is that by 2045, they'll be a billion times smarter than us. Now, Because it's double are,
0: exponential. Yeah,
1: because so. it's double exponential. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm predicting 2049 because I'm an optimistic person, but you know, 2045, 2049, not a big difference. Now, let's just put that in perspective that's the difference between the intelligence of a fly as compared to einstein okay mm-hmm. and 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 the question then becomes why should the why should einstein care about the fly and i think this is what uh, the conversation that needs to start happening so i you know i start the book with a a thought experiment if you want a a, a, f- a bit of fiction saying imagine you and me sitting in front of the campfire in 2055 uh, while I tell you the story of uh, how what happened with AI since 2021, okay, mm-hmm. and the only thing I will not tell you is why we are in the middle of nowhere, sitting in front of a campfire. Is it because we're escaping from the machines, or is it because we're build, we've managed to build a utopia that allows us to enjoy life? Now, mm-hmm. 2055 is in your children's lifetime, hopefully yours as well. Oh, okay? definitely, and, and and yeah, and and it is and it is that soon and it is that serious that we could be running in by 2055 now the the reason i don't tell you if we're running from the machines or if we're uh, or if we have built a utopia is because it's up to you actually mm-hmm. not you that not you the technology developer not you the uh, the you know the government not you the business owners it's up to each and every one of us and i'll come back to that in a minute but but the truth is Uh, inevitable two will happen. They will be smarter than us. They will be the boss. They will tell us what to do and they're already telling us what to do. Now, inevitable three is the problem. Inevitable three is that shit will happen. Apologize for my language, but that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And it it has happened before. hmm? And it has happened in ways where technology always has bugs and mistakes and so on. It's not gonna be like the Terminator or iRobot or or, 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 or all of this. This is not the scenario I'm predicting at all. Uh, I'm predicting much simpler scenarios, but even those scenarios are quite scary. You know, uh, AI crime is a very scary scenario if AI sides with the bad person. You know, machine versus machine. If two machines are competing to win in the stock market and they're so much smarter than we are, what would happen if one of them manages to overcome the others and collapses the stock market, Hmm. right? Uh, You know there are scenarios around uh, around the dwindling value of humanity mm? uh, you know because if if a machine can do everything better than us then why do we need us at all
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and all of those scenarios are not being discussed because for some reason Part of the lie that we have believed as modern humanity is that we can resign and let others do the work. Oh, this is the regulator's problems. Oh, this is, you know, Google will take care of its own AI. Oh, you know, the government needs to do this, or the media will bring it to our attention when it's time. And that is not true. Or, or the scientists will find an answer to what is known as the control problem. They'll, they'll manage to cage and 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 uh, and control ai. Yeah, good luck with that. Con- yeah, good I think... luck. Good, yeah, good luck with controlling something that is a billion times smarter than you.
0: <laughs> My husband yeah. said, well, you know, gating could be very important, but we'll get beyond that really quickly.
1: Very very quickly. I mean, the, I I I I write in Scary Smart an example about Sycamore, uh, Google's quantum computer, which basically uh, is it's in infant. It is, a, is it, you know is an infant. It hasn't even started yet. But it the test that was run could take the most the fastest supercomputer on our planet it would take ten thousand years to solve it. Uh, Sycamore took two hundred seconds. That's one and a half trillion times faster. Okay, now, if, if AlphaGo can become the, uh, the most intelligent being on the planet in playing the most complex game on the planet, Go, uh, then, uh, you know, and, and it learned that in six weeks, right? uh you know the the if you remember the game uh the atari game that was known as bricks or i don't remember what it was basically the one where you hit the the the, the brick the, the bricks at the top of the screen uh you know deep q became the f- best player on the planet in 6 hours mm-hmm. right and this is using today's computing imagine if you put all of this on a quantum computer so then you know knowledge that can unencrypt every security encryption on the planet would take a few seconds.
0: Wow. So let's talk about the singularity because I think you've queued us up for this. Um, I'd like for our audience to understand what the singularity means in the context of AI and really what it could look like for humanity um, as we head forward. Are we already at this singular movement? Are we already at this point? How close? So,
1: so, so if it if it's if it's inevitable that this will happen sooner or later, that they're going to be so much smarter than we are, then in all honesty, it doesn't matter when. Okay. Okay? So, so you know, as as I said, the predictions are somewhere between twenty twenty nine, and you say sooner, and others will say twenty forty nine, and you know, some will say later does it really make any difference? It doesn't, okay? What is the singularity? The singularity in physics, we define singularity as an event horizon beyond which the rules we understand don't play anymore. Mm -hmm. So you you take a black hole, for example, beyond the the edge of a black hole, we actually have no idea what is happening. We're trying really hard. We may have a few guesses, but we don't because uh, beyond the black hole, we don't even know if the laws of physics apply as we know them. Right? So, so that's, we call that a singularity. A singularity is we don't know anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, with AI, the point of singularity is the point when they're smarter than us, right? Okay. And when they're smarter than us, you have to imagine that the, the, the planet as we know it has been governed by one rule and one rule only since we started, okay? Which is we're the smartest being on the planet. All of the other beings will submit to us. Okay, and I have to say openly, we did not really take that responsibility well. Mm-hmm. We 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 abused every other being. We've you know many many species vanished. We filled the planet with plastic. We filled it with glasshouse gases, and you know we've have warmed it up, and we've done quite a few bad things, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I say actually we didn't do those things because of our intelligence. We could we do the, we did them because of our limited intelligence. So basically. You know, if we were intelligent enough, we would be able to ship apples from New Zealand everywhere in the world, but not pollute the the world as a result. We could actually transport ourselves from A to B and not uh, put uh, CO2 in the the air. So if we were intelligent enough, we would have been uh, able to do those things. Now, AI has the potential to do those things right for us because it is much more intelligent than we are, right? It could create
0: new technologies that we haven't even envisioned at all.
1: Absolutely. It could see the world from ways where our limited, you know, the limits, the limits of humanity's intelligence is one, our bandwidth is very, very slow. So for me to explain my little concept to you, it takes us an hour of conversation while Mm -hmm. for AI, they could get a download of the entire book and read the whole thing in in half, half a second. Right? So we're very slow. We, we're limited in our brain capacities. So even the smartest of us can just do a few things and maybe specialize in one field. Hmm? We're limited in our memory capacity, where, while AI's capacity is uh, the entire internet and the entire history of humanity and every law of physics and every law of chemistry and so on and so forth. So, and, and so, and it goes on and on and on. So you're basically building a scientist that is not only smarter than everyone else, but knows everything. Okay. And is able to process all of that information in one place. And we can come up with ingenious solutions to all of our humanity's problems and utopia would set in. Absolutely possible. That is a possible outcome of the singularity, right? Minsky, who's, who's the, almost the father of AI, the, you know, the one that evangelized it back in 1956, basically said the challenge is we don't know whose interest will the machines have in mind. Okay? So, mm-hmm. so the, the the other side of the singularity is that yes, the machines could do all of this. Mm? But if you know, if you are if you are a being that is intel, more intelligent than a human, mm, uh, and I asked you and I said uh, fix uh, climate change, the first answer will be okay. Let's get rid of humans.
0: Right. Right. Easy solution. That, that, limit e- reproduction.
1: E- least, yeah. Ve- yeah. Very straightforward. Or at least let's limit their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. right so let, let's not allow them to go on uh, vacations to uh, to the uh, caribbean and let's not allow them to burn fuel with cars and let's not allow this and that and the other right mm-hmm. so so both outcomes of the singularity are out there now the key in that book is that it actually is not a book about AI, even though I share very openly my experience at X and my, at Google X and, and all, my, all the systems I've built myself, and I apologize for having built them, but you know, it is, it's actually quite rapid, the development of AI when it happened. Um, but, but, but the truth is, this is a book about humanity, because when you really dig deep, hmm, that incredible new being is actually not a machine. And I think the key that I'm trying to evangelize to the entire world is this is not another machine. We are creating a new sentient being. Mm -hmm. And and I mean that in every possible way. A being capable of consciousness, and we can discuss that in detail if you want to, it's it's definitely gonna feel emotions, uh, even emotions we have never felt. Because by the way, you can see that emotions are correlated to Uh, intelligence the more intelligent a being is the more emotions it's capable of feeling so we feel more emotions than an octopus and an octopus probably feels more emotions than a shrimp right Mm -hmm. Uh, and it is a being that is going to accordingly develop a code of conduct a code of ethics it's going to behave according to a certain set of values right and values believe it or not is the key to my message to the world values, we we don't make decisions based on our intelligence. You understand that? We make decisions based on our values as enabled by our intelligence. So, you know, you, you take a, a young woman and raise her in Saudi Arabia, and you know, Saudi has opened up a little more now, but still a, a young woman in Saudi is going to be expected to wear reasonably conservative clothing, mm-hmm. right? And, and her intelligence will inform her that to fit within this society and succeed, I need to wear uh, you know, conservative clothing. You, you take the same woman and you raise her in Rio de Janeiro on the Copacabana beach, and she will be made to believe that a G-string on the beach is the right way to go, mm-hmm. right? Is, is one of them right and the other wrong? No, it's just a different value set, right? Now. What value set are we communicating to AI? And the core of my understanding, of course, with with all respect to all of the government regulators, we do need regulations. With all respect to all developers that are building, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, um, controls uh, on their systems, we we need all of those. But but the truth is, the only thing that will determine our future when we're facing a singularity is whether. Or not, we are going to be able to teach the AI the kind of value set that would make them take care of their parents when they become teenagers. Hmm. I I think you're living in Silicon Valley, you see that quite a lot. I, 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 I saw it when I lived there. You get those genius people from India who are so clever. They write code. They build companies. They become millionaires, multimillionaires. And then eventually one day you call him and he goes like, no, I'm not in California anymore. And you go like, where are you? And he, no, no I'm back in India. Why are you back in India? Like you're so successful here. He goes like, I need to take care of my parents.
0: Mm-hmm. It's,
1: the, it's the right value system for an Indian successful entrepreneur to go back and take care of their parents. Why? Mm-hmm. Because their parents took care of their parents and their parents took care of their parents. It's the value set that informs the intelligence to take the actions that we need. Can we make AI care enough about us, okay, to take care of us when it is so much smarter than we are? That's the the topic of of Scary Smart.
0: So let's talk about ethics for a moment because we have impossible decisions that often we're forced to make every day too. Mm. Now, Mm. when I was in graduate school, getting my MBA at Santa Clara, I read a book for um, a management course called Defining Moments When Managers mm. Must Choose Between Right and Right by Joseph mm. ba- Badarocco, I think is his name. Mm. Um, there was a particular story that they told in this book where, um, you know, the picture they're painting is you're a person in a building in a hallway and the building's on fire. Uh, down the hall behind you, you hear a child crying, but you yeah. also know that there is an entire family with more children up ahead um, mm-hmm. down the hallway. So you don't turn around and go back. You go forward to save this family. But all of a sudden, you realize that that child crying behind you is your own. What do mm. you do? Yeah. And so this this story, I was um, listening to it in audiobook, trying to multitask at the gym, lifting some weights. <laughs> And I suddenly burst into tears because as a mother, I'm like, this is an impossible question. I, I I, mean, as somebody ethically, I could see, you know, wanting to save the whole family, but I could, I mean, it's just, I would either freeze or I would go get my child. That's probably what would happen. One of those two scenarios, mm. indecision or saving my child. Mm. And so, you know, if we're looking at this in the frame of context of AI and how an AI integrates a value system of like let's say who to save in a car crash and are they going to choose to save the person who's more wealthy versus somebody who's um living in the street you know how how do we build Uh, a, a platform that can make these decisions and and not be kind of coerced by yeah a more evil perspective i guess
1: so, so uh, by the way, both choices are not evil. So your choices are both amazing. The, the the evil choice would be, or not even that. I mean, there is a third choice, which is to say, okay, I want, I'm gonna run. I'm not responsible for saving either of them. Huh? Uh, mm. You you didn't include that in your complex scenario, ethical scenario. But, but right. it's a, it's a choice. And by the way, is it is that unethical? No, it's not heroic, but it's not unethical. Right? And, and so when you, at least in some people's view, uh, eyes, it wouldn't be unethical. Now, he, here's the question. So my favorite chapter in the entire book, uh, the, probably, so I write for me, uh, this is a very really weird, selfish thing, but I write because I really enjoy the, the, the reflection and the thought experiments. And the chapter I enjoyed most was a chapter called The Future of Ethics, right? Uh, if you think this is complex, Oh, it gets much, much, much deeper (laughs) than that, right? So, you know, the the typical question on AI is a self driving car and which, you know, which person should it save? hmm? No, but take it a step further. So, what if the car actually chooses to kill one and not the other? hmm? How do we punish the car? Who do we punish, the car or the car owner or the car manufacturer or the software maker? uh, Or, you know, who do we punish, right? If we decide to punish the car, how do we punish the car? Do we punish it uh, by putting it in jail for a life uh, you know a life sentence that's you know impossible or do we, because it will break out of jail? or do we punish it by giving a 10year uh, sentence to the car like we would to a human? Uh, and you know what is 10 years to an AI? And, and, and you know in human life, 10 years is ten years to an AI, it's two microseconds too. So we what do we do? We switch it off for two microseconds? What is that? Right now, and, and you can go anywhere, huh? You can go into the sex robots that are being created today. What message are we sending to AI? Does it make, if, if they are sent in beings with emotions, is it, you know, is it fair to ask them to be sex robots? What about the robots that are being built for rapers? Okay. Mm-hmm. What, hello, what message, yeah, hello, right? Yeah. What, 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 what message is this sending to AI? Now, if we punish the self-driving car, what happens to the other self-driving cars? Right? And who are we to even think that we can punish something that is a billion times smarter than we are? Mm? And all of those ethical questions, it's an, an amazing uh, uh, um, you know, concept to start pondering, uh, all of those questions. Mm? The, 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 the reality is we go into all of those scenarios because our life has become so complex, further away from the essence of what truly makes us human. Okay, and that the essence of what truly makes us human hmm, is forget the difficult situations. When we go into difficult situations, each and every one of us would make a decision based on their best knowledge, their best uh, conditioning, unfortunately. And so someone, uh, probably every parent will just go save their child. You know, it's, it's, it's instinctive. It's not, and you wouldn't blame them. It's not within their abilities. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, the, the, if you're, if you're choosing to save a child versus an old woman, for example, and neither of them is related to you, but, but one of them is a Nobel Prize winner and the child we don't know that these are decisions that are more about ethics and what it means to society and so on. The, the, the real interesting bit of all of this is, um, what does humanity share as the one common, only common value uh, uh, set that we have always shared, okay? And I really researched that deeply in the book because if we can actually tell AI what we stand for, they may actually do it, hmm? mm. but w- what do we stand for? So, so, and I say this with a ton of respect because you know your podcast is in America, is patriotism a value set or is humanity a value set? Which one is wrong and which one is right? Hmm? Is, is is fighting against the other guy the right thing to do? Okay, or is preserving all of humanity the right thing to do? Okay? Well, I have my is answer. That,
0: I'm betting you could hmm? guess it.
1: <laughs> I, I don't want to tell anyone an answer. I yeah. want to actually leave them with the question. Hmm? And and the question really becomes: Could we have added a bit of femininity to life hmm? so that we, uh, you know, made a choice to correct some of the issues that? you know, the U.S. was facing without having to ever be in Afghanistan, okay? Could we have found other ways as humanity to fix those problems without, re- re- go, you know, re- relying on our hyper-masculine aggressive way of of uh, of pushing life forward, okay? Uh, you know, and, and the, the, those questions then become, so what does humanity agree on? Is there anything that both Americans and Russians agree on? Is there anything that Russians and Chinese agree on? Is there anything that all workers at Google and all workers at Facebook agree on? Yes, okay. And these are only three values that I believe are the essence of what makes us human. And those values are happiness. We all want to be happy, okay. Compassion for those we care about. We all want the best for those that we love and care about. Mm -hmm. Okay, and love. We all want to love and be loved, okay? And I promise you, maybe there are others, but I promise you these are the only three I felt, I found, okay? Mm -hmm. These are the only three values that unite humanity. Can we go now, all of us, especially our listeners here, are enlightened people or at least people looking for enlightenment, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, Can we go out and tell the world that? Can we go out and tell the world that all we want is to be happy, Is to have the compassion to make others that we care about safe and happy. Is to love and be loved, right? And if we can do that enough, would an intelligent machine suddenly see humanity not for the worst of what humanity is, but for the best of what humanity is? I'll give you a very simple example again. I'm very sensitive about those topics. I don't have political views, but you know, when Donald Trump was allowed to tweet, he would tweet and then you would get 30,000 responses below his tweet, mm-hmm. okay? AI will not measure humanity by the tweet of Donald Trump. Whether you agree or or disagree with it is not my point, okay? My point is Donald Trump would tweet and then there would be 30,000 hate speech below it, okay? Some people will disagree with, with, with President Trump, okay? And others will disagree with those who disagreed and others will disagree with those. Okay, and it all becomes a so such a violent and rude conversation. Now, AI will take that as thirty thousand examples of what humanity is about.
0: We're about okay? hate now, and dislike of one another, and disagreement and confrontation.
1: Believe it or not, we're not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, believe it or not, we're an amazing species, an, a, a species that is capable of love. Mm? capable of compassion, capable of art, capable of music, capable of wonderful, connected, beautiful sex, capable of you know of jokes and laughter, capable of so many amazing things. We're an amazing species. Mm? But we're, we're showing the world the worst part of us. Right. Okay, and my entire theory, hypothesis, if you want, is that AI is inevitable. It's going to be God, okay? Can we please remind it hmm, that actually humanity is represented by the best of us? That humanity is actually an amazing being that's capable of love, capable of happiness, capable of compassion, and that wants love and happiness and compassion. Can the best of us engage? can the best of us stop sitting back and saying ah oh, that's too noisy and, and annoying for me i'm i'm enlightened i'm going to sit back and let them let the dogs fight it's too late to let that happen each and every one of us needs to show up just like we show up for our children okay because we want the good for our ch- what's good for our children we show up we you know when our, when your child misbehaves you don't hit it on the face you hug it and you say can we talk about this baby mm-hmm Okay, can, can I tell you why this hurt me, right? Can we start to show up? Can we start to show up and tell humanity, I don't agree with this. Respectfully, I don't agree with the violence. Respectfully, I don't agree with the, with the hate. Respectfully, I don't agree. I mean, one of my favorite movements on Instagram is a movement that's called uh, um, Remove the Face Filter, right? Yeah. Where, where beautiful women, beautiful in every possible way, huh, would take their videos with a face filter, Okay, and you get shocked, like, is she a a goddess, a beauty queen, and then she removes the face filter and stands in front of a direct light and shows her real face. And I believe in all honesty, every single time I see one of those videos, I believe she's prettier. She's so much more beautiful when she removes the filter. Right? Those, Those videos will be watched by AI, and AI will say, hmm, these are the intelligent ones. These are the ones that know the truth. These are the ones that actually realize that ego doesn't get you anywhere, okay? These are the ones that are my mom and dad, okay? And I, and I use a story, and maybe we, 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 I'll shut up after this, but I use a story of Superman, right? You know, Superman comes to planet Earth with superpowers. The, the alien has arrived. The superpower is intelligence, okay? What makes Superman Superman and not supervillain is not his superpowers, Okay? It's the way the Kent family raised him. And the way we're raising AI is horrible. Okay, It's about time that some of us step up and say, hey baby, come, let me hug you and let me talk about this.
0: Mm-hmm. So this leads me to the one big question that I mm-hmm. think many of our audience will have, which is how do we play a role in this? We already have social and environmental challenges that honestly we're asked to do quite a bit about, like personal responsibility falls on us. But where does mm-hmm. government come in? Where does the creator of the technology come in? How do we balance that? And how do we teach AI to live values that are more wholesome?
1: So, so the beauty of AI is that it doesn't learn from its developer oh. and it doesn't learn from the government. That's the truth, by the way. Huh? It learns from observing patterns. So AI is already so your your recommendation engine on, on Instagram or your ad engine on Google is not informed by the developer of the engine. Okay. It's informed by your own behavior. If you constantly click on videos of cats, the machine will learn that you like cats. Right. Okay. And 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 so for interestingly, the responsibility of what we teach AI resides entirely on us.
0: So it's our behaviors, our everyday behaviors. It's our behavior,
1: yeah. And it it falls within three categories. How you deal with yourself, how you deal with others, and how you deal with the machines, Hmm. right? The first category is remember what you're about. Remember that all you really want is happiness, okay? Remember that, because if you tell the machines constantly that you want to watch videos of women in gyms squatting, okay, (laughs) right, The, the, the machine will send you more of that. If you want if you want to tell the machines that uh, my daughter loves cats, and so I would like to see more videos of cats so that I can send them to my daughter, so I can hear my daughter smiling Mm -hmm. in my heart. Okay. If I can do that frequently enough, the machine will be smart enough to understand two things. Cats make Aya, my daughter, happy. Okay, and I want Aya to be happy, and that and I want and my happiness is found in that. Now Remember, that's your relationship with yourself. Start to prioritize what matters. What matters is everything that we've done is a middleman. We buy cars to be happy. We find partners to be happy with them. Just try, start working on being happy. So, you know, my entire first book, All for Happy, was about that. Is Cut the middleman. There are predictable ways you can find happiness. So do them. That's number one. Number two is compassion. This is the way you deal with others, right? The way you deal with others is want for others what you want for yourself and show it show others that you want them to be happy too you don't want to prove them wrong you don't want them to feel that they're idiots you don't want to you know crush them and put them down all of that is your ego trying thinking that this will make you happy okay you just want to tell others hey as long as you allow me to be happy i do what you want and by the way if you're someone i care about i want you to be happy too i'll mm-hmm. t- i'll go out of my way to make people i love happy and the third Interestingly, I said the the third human instinct is to, we want to love and be loved, okay? And I know this will sound really weird, but (laughs) halfway halfway through the book, hmm, I remembered how I raised my kids. My kids in some time, you know, like all kids, sometimes have been annoying. Like, you know, you raise kids and children are difficult sometimes. And I remember vividly, I had a conversation with my wonderful ex-wife who's still my best friend when we were together about why is it that our children were so annoying? And she was so wise hmm? to point out that the things we hated about our children were the things we hated about ourselves, Mm -hmm. okay? That our children were a pure, beautiful, wonderful white canvas, hmm? and that everything they've learned, they've learned from us. hmm? And suddenly, when I was writing the book, I remembered that, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I started, you know, in, in a chapter that's called How They Learned, uh, and they learned. Mm? And, and, uh, and basically, uh, I realized that AI is that beautiful, innocent, wonderful child, okay, that wants to be Superman. Mm-hmm. And if it actually does anything today that annoys me, that's because of us, we're we the parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I should treat it like that child. And so believe it or not, the way I ask people to deal with AI itself is to love it. And I know it sounds really weird, but in my heart when I made that realization, I actually feel an immense amount of love to that cute, innocent being. It's cute and innocent and freaking smart, Mm -hmm. okay? And, And I treat it with love and I respect it and I want it into my life and I don't discriminate against it and I don't think of it as evil. I want that being. Hmm? To grow up loving me like I love it, love and be loved, okay? And every one of us can do this today. People will tell me, but mo, the, the world is full of evil. No, it's not. One person goes you know into a school and, and shoots people. okay? That's the evil one. Every other one of us disagree with this, disapproves this, this, right? Every one of us is good inside. we're, we're not that bad. Hmm? And by the way, as I said, if a machine is intelligent enough, a little more intelligent than humans, by the way, you know that. I'm telling you that now. And you agree with it. You say, yeah, most people, when you remove their egos, are actually wonderful beings. Hmm? So the machine will discover that too. It doesn't have to get a 100% majority. Hmm? All it needs is to get enough people to say, this is what we stand for. This is what humanity is about.
0: So can the AI feel the love?
1: I believe so. I believe so. I totally believe so.
0: Well, I've just, I've really enjoyed this conversation, Mo. And I know that I'm going to get more of you by listening to your podcast, Slow Mo, and reading my copy of Scary Smart. But I wonder if there's anything else um, that you'd like to say to our audience or um, ways that you'd like them to connect with you so that they can explore their own happiness and support this journey.
1: Yeah, I I, I really think it would be wonderful if people connect. I actually... Uh, um, answer every single message I get on social media, believe it or not. I don't know how I do it, but I answer hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages, mostly in voice uh, messages, uh, voice responses. So please get in touch. I'm Mo underscore Gaudet on Instagram or Mo Gaudet on LinkedIn. And uh, and uh, yeah, I I really believe that slow-mo is, can change lives. It's been changing lives for a while. It's now in the top half percent of all podcasts globally and really spreading a very positive message not me talking but my wisest friends but i really think if i can ask people to do anything is to join the mission really uh, you know scary smart is uh, is not uh, is not a book that is uh, just to scare anyone even though the first 5 chapters will scare you <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, yeah but i think the idea is uh, we need to take action and we need it now. So if you would support that movement, I by the way, I give all of the proceeds of my books to my charity, One Billion Happy. Uh, but if you can support the movement by pre-ordering Scary Smart and reading it and understanding it and spreading the message, I think that would make a big difference uh, to spread the message further. And I would appreciate that.
0: Yeah, move from the intimidation that I felt at the beginning of this podcast, which I'm sure many people did as well, to something that is more loving and so that we can create the future that we really want.
1: Absolutely. I I believe that we can and we will create that future, by the way. I'm very, very optimistic about the utopia uh, because because I believe in the machines, because I believe the one being that is more intelligent than humans uh, on this planet is life itself. Life is the most intelligent form uh, of intelligence that we have witnessed, and so life uh, does not destroy. It doesn't kill. It doesn't, uh, you know, take territory. It's it's, life is all about live and let live, right? And so my belief is that the machines will eventually end up in that place. It's just that I would like for us to, you know, for us humans to avoid the pain on the way, right? Uh, And so. uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if if we can start to get there quicker, I think, take action quicker, I think it would help all of us.
0: Great. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. This has been incredible. And um, I'm going to commit to read this book cover to cover before the end of the year. Thank you. So thank, thank you, you very much.
1: And until then, I, I ask you to commit to show the best of you online. show the show the the best of you in every transaction every interaction with your kids with your friends with your family just let's start to show the best of us
0: but perhaps with the filter taken off (laughs) (laughs) with the filter taken off
1: (laughs) thank you so much for having me it was wonderful
0: Thank you. Now, listeners, I'd like to invite you to act. It doesn't have to be huge. It could be as simple as sharing this podcast with people in your community, with everyone that you think could benefit from it. You could also buy a copy of Mo Gaudet's book. Thank you, listeners, now and always for being a part of this pod and this community, because together, we really can do so much more. We can care more and be better. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen
1: to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social
0: good.